Welcome back to the Investing on the Go podcast brought to you by Fund Caliber. Today, the 11th of March, 2022, marks the two-year anniversary of the HWO declaring a global pandemic. The pandemic has led to major changes, not only in our work lives, but in the world of health, medicine, and science, some of which are likely to be with us after the virus no longer dominates the daily news headlines. In this episode, we explore what's changed in the healthcare sector from an investor point of view during that time period. I'm Darius McDermott from Fund Calibre. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by James Douglas and Gareth Powell, co-managers of the Polar Capital Global Healthcare Investment Trust. Gentlemen, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Darius. How are you? One can't uh, get away from the sort of dramatic healthcare um, issues that the planet has suffered in the last two years. I suppose a very broad question, but you know, the, the pandemic, how has it changed the healthcare sector? What are you seeing apart from sort of the focus on it that, it, that is different? Yeah, I'll take that, uh, Gareth, it's James. I mean, it's been an extraordinary period of time, as I'm sure everyone can appreciate, but um, we actually think that the COVID-19 pandemic has been a genuine catalyst for, for positive change in the healthcare industry. And I think there's probably three areas worth mentioning. So firstly, this idea that the delivery of healthcare is being disrupted. And what do we mean by that? Essentially, we believe there has been and will continue to be an acceleration of shifting patient volumes away from hospitals to lower cost settings such as surgery, day centers and the home. And that's clearly a benefit, not just to patients, but also those who are paying the bills. So that's one area. Second area would be prevention. Um, I hope most people appreciate the potential value of a safe and effective vaccine. But actually, we're also referring to a rapid acceleration in diagnostics infrastructure. And that really could lead to broader testing menus and greater adoption of diagnostics. And that's potentially important because if you can get a patient diagnosed early, you can get them on the right treatment path, then you can potentially drive better outcomes for the patient and hopefully uh, some economic savings for the healthcare systems. And then finally, another area that has accelerated um, is outsourcing. Uh, And this is accelerated in areas like clinical trials and contract manufacturing. So you may be a, a company like a pharmaceutical company, for example, You want to outsource non-core activities, retain financial flexibility. And two areas that we believe that has happened and we think will be durable is both clinical trials and the outsourcing of things like contract manufacturing and manufacturing devices. And so those we think have really accelerated in the last 18 to 24 months. And importantly, as I mentioned before, we don't think they're short-lived and we think they could deliver durable medium-term growth. So another a fairly well-discussed fallout, if you like, has been the sort of shares that have done well in COVID and the shares that have then gone on, maybe in some instances, to to do badly. Um, We're recording on a certain platform today called Zoom, and they've had their ups and their downs, like Peloton, and the biotech sector and healthcare sector, I suppose, has been the same. Moderna, obviously one of the vaccine suppliers, has fallen around 70% from its peak, and Teladoc by a similar amount. Does this look like some of those healthcare winners are durable or that they're giving up some of maybe some excess returns over a short period of time? Yeah. Hi, Darius. Um, it's a really good question. And, you know, obviously we're looking at how far these things have fall, fallen and, you know, you sort of think whether they're worth looking at. Um, you know, we're clearly following them. Um, 
I mean, they got to pretty incredible valuations. So Moderna at its high, you know, was near $200 billion in market cap. And that was bigger than AstraZeneca and Sanofi at the time. So it was quite remarkable. And Teladoc similarly uh, got put on a very high multiple. So we almost feel like the sort of COVID winners, if there is such a thing, I don't know if that's a great way of saying it, but in inverted commas, um, they did get very expensive. You saw a lot of flows into those types of stocks. You know, you, you, you know, you highlight Zoom, obviously Peloton, you know, yeah. there's lots of things you can think of. And then, you know, sort of rightly, they've come down a lot. Um, I think, you know, if you look at the typical price behavior when you've had a bubble, um, you get these stocks, um, if you look back on multiple cycles, they fall a long way. You have sort of uh, strong bounces along that decline. And then over a period of time, the stocks really don't do very much. Um, so, you know, people tend to call it a consolidation and this can go on for years. But we think, you know, underlying there's value ultimately in Moderna with its um, mRNA technology. And, you know, Teladoc has achieved a lot with its um, telemedicine access. But, you know, I, I guess, you know, similarly following um, the collapse of a bubble, you would expect a similar um, sort of uh, period of consolidation here. And then, you know, the opportunities might get more exciting again after a period of time. Yeah. Another word which we can't escape as we sit here in um, early March 2022 is inflation. I know you guys... Um, have attended the recent JP Morgan Healthcare Conference. Are there any subsectors that, that benefit from these high inflation within your sort of overall healthcare remit? And what have you been hearing from companies about their supply chain issues? Are they improving now as we as we sit here today? Yeah. So I mean, what we have learned is not not all companies are created equal, and they've all got different challenges and different levels of vertical integration. Um, but I would say uh, on the kind of like on the cautious side, the medical device subsector has seen a bit of pressure, particularly how they're talking about forward looking margins. And that's coming in areas such as electronic components. So we all know there's a semiconductor shortage, things like resins and steel and actually freight costs, you know, just physically shipping their products around. So that has been a bit of a challenge. The other challenge we have seen is on the wage inflation side. Uh, and that's particularly pertinent in areas like hospitals and services, where obviously you need a high level of staffing to, to look after patients. So, so that has been a challenge. We think it's been exaggerated by COVID. So hopefully, if we go beyond pandemic and move to more endemic, some of those pressures should ease. On the other side, um, some of the supply companies, uh, and so we're talking about areas like ophthalmology, and dental, they have an ability to pass on some of these pressures. So, so they're less effective in the medium term. You know, you can get quarterly variations between cost and passing on, but longer term, I think they should be able to pass some of these on. So, so that's a bit more encouraging. And I think on, on other areas of healthcare, such as pharmaceuticals, biotechnology, on the insurance side, it's just slightly less relevant. Uh, so I think in conclusion, we're probably better equipped uh, and a bit more immune than some other uh, sectors within the market, but we're, we're, we're certainly not 100% protected. Darius, I think, you know, just briefly adding to that, on a historical perspective, you know, Jamie's talked about really the fundamentals and what we're seeing. From a historical perspective with healthcare stocks, when inflation is increasing, um, it tends to struggle as a source of funds for things like energy, as you'd expect. Yeah. 
Um, but once that, you know, and we kind of expect inflation to continue to, to, continue to move higher, but at some point that rate of change is going to slow. Uh, healthcare companies, product companies, whether it's biotech, pharma, medtech, which dominate our industry, they have very high gross margins and operating margins typically, so they can manage those yeah. pressures. So I think what the market's moved on to is understanding um, operation effect, operational effectiveness or efficiency, um, a, a real scrutiny on margins. And actually, even if inflation stays high, but has peaked in its rate of change, large cap healthcare can do really well. Um, and so that's interesting. And then, you know, if inflation does slow, we would expect, you know, the healthcare sectors will actually do very well and be, um, you know, would draw back in those funds that have moved away when inflation yeah. was increasing. That's really interesting. And um, I think that's you know good for people to understand. Not every sector is anti-inflationary or pro-inflationary. Sometimes they lag, sometimes they lead. Mm. But um, yeah, that, that's really interesting. So another major topic when we talk about healthcare is the US electoral cycle. It, uh, I live in the UK and we follow US elections from afar, but healthcare normally tops the agenda or at least um, is always on the, it's on the front page of the paper. Let's just say that um, yeah. we're around halfway through Joe Biden's administration. Has he had much of an impact on the healthcare sector or, or were you expect, not expecting much of an impact from, from him? Had his rhetoric been quite low? Um, I think there's two areas. Uh, Clearly, COVID-19 and the public health emergency has been front and centre for a lot of people globally, but particularly in the US. So if we just kind of put that to one side, I think the biggest area of focus uh, for for the Biden administration has been expanding access to the Affordable Care Act. And just as as a quick reminder for the listeners... Um, uh, President Obama introduced something called the Affordable uh, Care Act or the ACA uh, back in uh, 2010. Uh, And really, Biden and his administrative team have really been focused on bolstering that. Uh, And so that includes improving access, essentially, to to, to US citizens who have quite low incomes. And so that's been his biggest focus. In terms of drug pricing, which is something that always comes up, um, yeah. It really was a focus for the markets last year, um, particularly when he was talking about his huge uh, Build Back Better uh, stimulus, because within that contains some details around drug pricing. Uh, But actually, we think that's slowly dissipating. And the reason we say that is, A, uh, the the triple B or the Build Back Better um, has been slightly diluted. um, And within that, one would expect some dilution of the healthcare policies, but actually, more importantly, we're heading towards the midterms. Uh, and if indeed uh, the Republicans gain ground in the House of Representatives, what we could face uh, face ourselves with is essentially legislative gridlock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in other words, the chances of the administration getting anything really draconian through on drug pricing become, become a, le- a wee bit lower. And so in conclusion, I would say that the status quo is broadly supportive. Um, I think that the focus on the ACA will continue. Uh, and I think that um, anything really, really far reaching on the drug pricing size is less likely now than maybe it was six to 12 months ago. I suppose people think of healthcare, they think of large cap pharma. But as we know, it's far broader than that. You have a number, wide number of subsectors, obviously, pharma being the biggest, but you've got biotech and devices and implements and, you know, the whole tele doctor side. 
um, part. What, what, what are, which areas, which subsectors are you finding most exciting today and you know, where you generally expect to make decent upside over the next 12, 24 months? Yeah, so I mean, if you if you really drill down, there's more than probably more than forty different subsectors within wow. healthcare. So, you know, I mean, as you say, you know, pharma, medtech, biotech, the big caps dominate, but there's so much going to the surface. Um, today, what we're excited about, there's three different areas. So, first, so there's kind of a link. Uh, sort of, firstly, dealing with the enormous backlog um, of sort of healthcare procedures and broader utilization and then prevention, um, which Jamie's talked about a bit earlier. And the last bit's biotech. So just briefed on each of those. Um, with COVID, there's been a significant backlog buildup. And you know, I'm sure you, you've read this in the news in the UK, elective procedures, um, oncology, uh, diagnostic testing, um, uh, dermatology, and this has impacted a number of different areas of healthcare. So we're taking the optimistic on COVID uh, situation. And if that does sort of continue to be the case, you could end up with uh, a rate of infections that's very low. So that could allow the healthcare system to kind of deal with the backlog, if you like. Um, and so we feel that that backlog is, backlog is big. Um, healthcare utilisation could really, really pick up as people have confidence going back into healthcare systems and healthcare systems can cope with a situation where they're not having to cope with, uh, deal with um, heavy uh, COVID infection rates. Um, and so, you know, if that does come through, that's going to help. That's going to really support growth in uh, health medical devices, healthcare supplies, um, you know, and, you know, strangely also in areas like pharmaceuticals where normally you don't think about much sort of cyclicality in volume, but, you know, COVID's very different, right? You know, some of the, whether reps at farm companies being able to see doctors, you know, that's been really limited. Certain areas, you know, I mentioned oncology and dermatology, you know, volumes have been significantly impacted there. And that's really impacted utilization of pharmaceuticals as well. So it's quite broad based, actually. But I think, you know, there's a very powerful uh, potential for uh, pickup and growth, particularly in med tech, medical devices, and healthcare supplies. Prevention, obviously, we're talking about diagnostics in the main here, um, you know, and again, utilization, you know, uh, we've seen a drop off in uh, diagnostic, diagnostic testing. I think in the UK press last week was about breast cancer testing, the screening, um, I think over the COVID, uh, over the pandemic phase of the last two years, a uh, million uh, appointments have either been cancelled or missed, you know, that's a huge number. Um, you, you know, and sadly, probably, you know, diagnoses will have been missed. So hopefully that can come back. So that, that, that they're two really big on that utilization themes. Um, and then lastly, just on biotech. Um, I love a bit of biotech, Gareth, you know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, big cap, you know, think about as large cap pharma, it's held up pretty well with large cap pharma actually having done quite well, strangely, over the tw last 12 months. That wasn't really expected, but or maybe last nine months or so. Um, but uh, small mid-cap uh, has been hit extremely hard. Um, if we look at historical uh, trends on valuation, they're looking pretty attractive on measures such as price to cash. And, you know, what we think, the, the potential, a potential catalyst, um, we're not really necessarily calling the bottom on the space, but a potential catalyst could be a pickup in M&A. 
Um, so if you look in the second half of last year, particularly on a basically look on a, a sort of a comparison to the last 20 years, M&A activity was extremely quiet in pharma biotech. Uh, we think there are a number of reasons. I won't elaborate on that, but the point is um, we think the big guys, so the big pharma companies, the big biotechs, you know, um, if you look at uh, most recent reporting, management teams of those big companies have been actively saying they've noted the big pullback in the biotech sector. And they're looking at opportunities to consolidate uh, companies and assets for their own pipelines. And so yeah. that could be a catalyst to help out here because, you know, the group is, you know, we've been investing in biotech for over 20 years and the group is definitely in the uh, out of out of favor camp in line with other periods where that's been the case. So that is, I think, interesting as a kind of uh, an anecdote, if you like. Yeah, well, it is actually interesting because we all sit in a world where, let's be honest, lots of things look expensive <laughs> um, from government bonds all the way to, well, certainly high growth equities did look expensive six months ago, but maybe slightly less so as we've already touched on uh, today. But hearing that the likes of biotech as a subsector and the mid and small cap area of it, um, it, it looks historically cheap it, it is, is interesting. So look, guys, one Last question uh, for either either or maybe both of you. Is there one thing that, that the pandemic has um, changed either in your your view to the healthcare sector or the way you invest in it or things that you've learned? Or I don't mean changes to the process specifically, but just any little snippets that you may have picked up um, looking back on the two years uh, since the pandemic was sort of formally recognised. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a fair question and pinning it down to one thing is obviously quite difficult because it's been a pretty remarkable period, not just for the health, but for all of us. Um, yeah. And, and challenging. And, uh, and, I, and I think the resilience that everybody has shown um, has been pretty impressive. From a healthcare perspective, I mean, I think the one, the one word I would maybe focus on uh, is innovation. To, 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 to get the DNA of the virus in, a January, in early 2020 and then to have an approved or sorry, emergency approval for the vaccine within a 12 month period is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Uh, and actually, the other really impressive thing, I think, is, is the coordination and mobilization of resources, um, cooperation between corporates and regulatory authorities. And it's not just pharmaceuticals and vaccines, it's life sciences and tools. Um, you know, they've all done a terrific job. And I think the reason I mention that is that touch wood, we won't, we won't get another variant that creates havoc. But if we do, I think there's confidence that the healthcare system will find a solution so we can all function as a society. So um, that, that would be my hope. Um, and certainly I think innovation is, is a word that should be synonymous with healthcare. Yeah, and Darius, I mean, I, you know, I just totally agree. I mean, I can't think of anything else, you know, in the last two years or or 12 months. You know, I, I think the speed is, you know, just remarkable. You think about traditionally, if you start from scratch, COVID, sorry, a vaccine, you've got a 6% chance of success and it takes 10 years. Yeah. You know what? This started from scratch, kind of, and um, uh, it took nine months, you know, to get a vaccine. I think it's all into people. So yeah. it's just incredible. And I mean, you know, you know, thankfully, you know, we've got brought up, well, brought up and uh, building more significant access to vaccine, COVID vaccines. James, Gareth, thank you so much for talking us through um, 
a sector uh, and you know global healthcare is a broad sector but um it must have been a fascinating time and just your finishing answer there about the speed of getting that vaccine um but you know built tested and approved and and then delivered uh, has been absolutely uh, phenomenal it's been an interesting time for investors around the globe least not those in the healthcare space the managers of the polar capital global healthcare trust have been investing in this space for over a decade this is a unique trust investing in a very specialist part of the stock market. The trust invests in healthcare stocks from around the globe. These companies will predominantly come from four subsectors: pharmaceuticals, biotechnology, medical technology, and healthcare services. To learn more about the Polar Capital Global Healthcare Trust, visit fundcaliber.com and don't forget to subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember, we've been discussing individual companies to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these companies at the time of listening. Elite ratings are based on Fund Caliber's research methodology and are the opinion of Fund Caliber's research team only. 